The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Thomas Sanerho. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And Jack Barazzini. Hi, Jack. Hey, Dom. I, I wanted to start today's show off with uh, something I read just before. Uh, we, uh, it was at dinner with the kids, and I was reading to the kids, because it's a great example of technology and versus the the old world let's say, shall we say let me just read it this comes off a of tumblr i'll put a link in the show notes uh and so it, it here here it goes it refers to a video that's at the top of this tumblr uh note but uh, you don't need to see the video uh so here here it is so one of my neighbors has a lawn roomba or whatever they're called i'm my editorial is i i'm guessing it's a kind of uh roomba that mows the lawn sort of thing uh, and this thing trundles around looking like a background robot in the background of the original trilogy, I think Star Wars, and absolutely baffling the dogs. They have concluded, I think, that it's some kind of prey animal because right after this video ended, they decided to crouch down and stalk it, which means I'm 90% sure I'm going to have to stop Arwen, the dog, from eating it at some point. Someone replies, of course it's a prey animal. It eats grass. And then she responds, while I can't follow your reasoning on robot taxonomy, apparently we're both wrong. Arwen, as much as she is a high prey drive animal, is foremost a herding dog and has decided that the lawn Roomba is a sheep. What happened is the lawn Roomba belongs to the guy that does most of the maintenance on the neighborhood park, and he had it out grazing on a different section of lawn when my parents came down for a walk, and Arwen was seized by 200 years worth of Kelpie instincts, I think Kelpie is the, the breed, rolled out <laughs> of her harness and proceeded to herd the heck out of this tiny oblivious robot. Everything was on display. Mock stalking, intimidating eye contact, barking, running in front of it to try to get it to balk, the scariest barking she can muster, which is actually pretty scary if you're not used to loud dogs, looking back at my parents for directions, or rather, looking at my mom while dad tried unsuccessfully to capture her. After about 10 minutes, she, they realized she wasn't biting it and decided to let her play Sheep Simulator 5000 for a while. She eventually figured out that A, it doesn't respond to yelling, posturing, or aggressive eye contact. B, it doesn't respond to having its wheels or bump hazards hit. And C, it would respond to its side being nosed or slapped by moving in a different direction. Content that this was apparently <laughs> right. some kind of blind, deaf, and particularly stupid sheep, she could now manage the robot by smacking it if it got too close to the creek bed or fence for her liking, and was eventually content to sit on the highest point of the field and supervise it. Hey, said Roger, owner of the robot, do you think if I put the ramp down, she'll herd it into the back of my pickup? <laughs> Arwen was mostly asleep in the afternoon sun as Roger put the ramp down, but woke right up when Mom whistled, <laughs> then pointed at the truck. She immediately went after the robot and did something that wouldn't have occurred to me, an allegedly more intelligent being. The robot is roughly triangular, and when it hits an obstacle, will change direction so that one of its other sides, rather than points, is now the front. So to get it to move in a straight line in the direction she wanted, Arwen would smack the two sides of the robot that she didn't want it to go in in quick succession and got it across the field, over a small hill, and up the ramp as fast as its clumsy little wheels could go. <laughs> I didn't know you had a fully trained sheepdog, said Roger. Me either, said Mom. 
So Arwen now has a semi-weekly appointment to play with Sheepbot. <laughs> so I love that the dog figured out awesome. figured out the learned how to pr- basically program the robot. <laughs> she she's got it to obey it. Uh, just I think that was a great one. So, uh, but let's move on to uh, our topics for tonight. So we have some listener feedback from our most recent episode on obsolete OSs. And uh, Tom G writes in via email and says, I'd add a couple things about running an obsolete OS. First, I was surprised Neverware's Chrome OS was not mentioned as an additional possibility compared to Linux. Chromium OS is open source and Google turns that into its Chrome OS that it only sells with new hardware. What Neverware did and still does as part of Google is provide a Chrome OS based on Chromium OS that can run on older hardware. So uh, just my inserting a little editorial, Chromium OS is the uh, more broad name for things. And Chrome OS is the very specific product that Google sells. Okay, so it supports educational institutions and it's free for personal use. I took a 2007-2008 Dell desktop, added a 128 gigabyte SSD, and loaded Chrome OS on it. The computer's configured to boot into Chrome OS, and while its performance is slow, especially for sites with lots of ads, it does much better than dual booting back into Windows 7. I do keep Windows 7 active on this PC, which shipped with Windows Vista because of an old Canon flatbed scanner. And while I totally agree that you don't want to connect a Windows 7 laptop on a public hotspot, I think there may be an acceptable risk to have it behind your home router. There are no ports to be scanned since you're behind that firewall, which was one of Dom's concerns. More importantly, as long as Google with Chrome, Mozilla with Firefox, and Microsoft with Chromium Edge continue to support those browsers on Windows 7, I believe it's an acceptable risk to run Windows 7 against most websites, especially if they are the same websites that you consistently use. It's important to make sure that Windows Defender stays up to date or to install McAfee or similar antivirus software. As soon as the browsers and security software is no longer supported on Windows 7, Yes, I'll abandon connecting connecting with the web browser to the internet with it. So was he right, or uh, or was I my concern? Miss, uh, did I have a wrong concern about the ports being scanned? If you're on a network behind your router, is your computer safe from having its port scanned? It's going to depend on how your home network is configured. Um, that's really where it's going to go down to. So the the answer to that question is. If you configured your home router correctly, yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. If you've gone in okay. and made it a, a whitelist router instead of a blacklist router, then mm-hmm. yeah, and they are not that by default. So don't just assume that it, it runs that okay. way. Okay, so out of the box, you aren't, you, your computer could be port scanned. Correct. That's yes. what you're saying. The route, if the route, out of the box default setup of the router does let port scanning happen on the devices that are inside the network. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, that's a good point, because that's what I was thinking is, in general, out of the box. But there are ways to secure it, and there, uh, which may be something we didn't want to get into at some point, uh, securing your router you know, in your home network mm-hmm. uh, from intrusion. That That's actually a good topic we mm-hmm. might want to get into at some point. But, um, okay. And then uh, the point about using Chromium and Chrome OS. I know you guys are mostly Linux guys, uh, which this is a form of Linux, I know. So what do you think of? Chrome OS on uh, on the older laptop hardware. I honestly don't have any experience with Chrome OS. Um, it sounds it sounds like it'd be perfectly fine. I think it's there's probably all the same caveats that you're going to get along with uh, using Linux. There's going to be some configurations you're going to need to make sure you keep up to date. It's going to it's going to be pretty much all the precautions you're going to take with any OS. You want to make sure you're keeping aware of that. 
I would say that that Chromium is a good lightweight experience out of the box. Um, So where you might have to configure some things on a Linux box uh, to fit the user. Uh, Chromium's sort of uh, Chromium and Chrome OS both are are sort of that for basic uh, document processing and web use. They're going to have all of that stuff set up by default so that you don't have to worry about it. And there are plenty of flavors of Linux that do the same thing, but they're really uh, kind of more of a bare bones version of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, good. And then there's, that is a good point about as long as windows defender or an antivirus are available and the browsers are being kept up to date by the manufacturers and you're in your running those updates that you should be mostly okay. um, From that standpoint um, from viruses and malware and, uh, bad sites, you know, uh, cross-site scripting and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. uh, getting through the browser. Uh, but there, there is that port scanning concern, which I think I think still is there. So uh, that would be something you'd want to look at. Good, good, very good. Actually, that was a, good, a great discussion, by the way, just like the idea of running obsolete or old OSs on older hardware and whether I should, whether you should get new, you know, open source OSs on old hardware or just buy new hardware. And th- th- those are some important concerns, I think, that we need to think about in, in, because there's not one answer for everyone. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, that's for sure. All right. Let's move into our first segment for the, tonight, our first topic, which is, uh, Thomas, you brought this to my attention. I've, I've known about this before, but you, you mentioned this as a possible topic, and I love it because it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating topic. Uh, the topic of dark patterns and what is could you define a dark patterns for me like what what is what would we say dark patterns are in let's say in software and websites i i think it's actually easier to define them generally and then you can look at them more localized yeah. to to software patterns right. but it's just anything that a vendor does that locks you into a situation you weren't ready for um mm. like it, it's it's best like to it give examples you? too. Yeah, it, yeah, it kind of tricks you. It's it's and it's and it might not be intentional on anybody's part, except for the person who designed the particular dark pattern, right? Right. Uh, so you know, you go to Best Buy and you go to check out, and they offer you a warranty, and it's an upgrade. It costs money, and the reason that they're going to offer you that is because they are going to bank on the fact that they're never going to use it. And right. And it's just you're going to buy the object. The object has a warranty on it. That's probably a lot better than Best Buy's warranty anyway. And you're going to pay that money, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks, whatever, to upgrade the warranty with thinking, oh, yeah, this gives me extra protection. And the reality is it doesn't even give you the protection that's already there on the product itself. That's kind of a dark pattern. It tricks you into thinking that you're getting something you're not. Right. Um it's also like I think a lot of times it's not necessarily nefarious. I think the people doing mm-hmm. it just think that they're clever, right? Like it's a clever <laughs> marketing or sales technique. Uh, you know, those. The, I mean, the classics are the car salesmen. You know, who bait and switch and uh, you know, down talking you. Oh, you know, this car's not for you. This is only for someone of a discerning taste, right? And <laughs> uh, you know, and and who's good looking? I mean, do you think that's you? Of course, that's me. I want that. Give me that car. You must sell me that car. You know, it, that's a sort of dark pattern. Uh, but the web is famous for it. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of like even some of my favorite websites that I frequent a lot, like I say, like Cooks Illustrated, they'll do a pop up when you're at the site and say, uh, you know, sign up here for our email newsletter. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, 
there's a, a button to click to make the pop-up go away that says, no, I don't like free recipes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, right. it's, like, it's like, it's a negative, it's like negging, like, you know, the, that jerk <laughs> yeah. at the bar who negs the, the girl to make her want to go out with him, because that's, uh, you know, great. Uh, <laughs> if you have to trick a girl to go out oh, with you, maybe you're, there's something wrong with you. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's sort of like these these ways of tricking people or manipulating people into doing stuff that they probably don't want to do. So what what kinds of dark patterns have you guys seen in addition to the ones we've already mentioned and and maybe what ways that we could avoid falling for them? The one that bugs me the most is when you install an app and it's an ad supported app, which is fine. I get, you know, people need to make money off off their work, so I have no problem with ads, but the ads when you get those mobile game ads that either force you to play through them to get to clear mm-hmm. the ad Ugh. or where it gives you the X up in the corner but the X is not actually what closes it. It takes you to a download link. Right. Yes. Instant oh, uninstall. Yeah. Instant uninstall. Will not keep a game like that on my, <laughs> on my pick. I saw one that was similar to that where the it pops up. As soon as you open the app, a brand new app, it pops up a uh, rate this app thing. The, you know, the standard iOS rate this app little box. And this like five stars, cancel, you know, uh, cancel or... Okay. Okay. So, but when you hit the cancel, nothing happens. Mm. They've somehow disabled the button and they've also disabled the stars one, two, and three. So you can only give it a four or five star review. This is before you've even done anything with the app. Like, <laughs> That's awful. Instant delete. Instant nope, delete. Like, yeah. Not even using it. <laughs> yeah. And and if I can, I'll go rate it a one star too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Go, just, go online and rate it one star. Trash, right? trash. Trash app. Or where you get the option, you don't get the option for no on some pop ups. It's okay or maybe later. They don't give you the option to just ignore it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And we know what that means generally, mm-hmm. but it's a sort of it's a psychological manipulation that they're engaged in. I've seen one lately that people need to watch out for, and this is um this is one that I think is really dangerous. Uh, there are you get mass mails and everyone's gotten used to, okay, I'm, I'm sick of getting all these mass mails. I'm going to scroll down to the bottom and hit unsubscribe. Yeah. Um, but I've seen some lately that are emails from sites that I do not use, that I have never been part of, that I have never signed up for a mailing list. And what they're doing is they put up a, an image that is a, a, the whole email is an image, including the unsubscribe button on the bottom. So when you mouse over it, um, it actually takes you to their website and all they want from that is to scrape your information. That's it. That's, that's all They're they grabbing care about. your cookies and mm-hmm. your IP and yeah. So watch out for those. And the, the best way to tell that that's what's happening is if you mouse over any part of the email and then you mouse over that unsubscribe button and the link does not change for where it's, um, where it's right. taking you and, and you need to pay attention to that, you know, what, what link you're going to click on. Uh, if if the link doesn't change between those two things, then you know that that's what they're doing. Just report it as spam and get get it out of yeah. your box. Mm-hmm. One thing I never do is I never click unsubscribe links on emails from people mm-hmm. who I didn't subscribe in the first place. Correct. So I, you know, if if it's a newsletter that I signed up for and I've decided I don't want it anymore, that I don't have a problem with unsubscribing. But if it's if it's spam, if it's somebody who I'm, I have no idea you know who they are and why they're emailing me i just i i uh black hole it i spam you know this is junk goodbye and never see it again 
But uh, yeah, that uh, could because hitting that link is giving them information. It's telling them this is a live email account and, you know, now start spamming them with all kinds of stuff. I have thought of one um, that is uh, it's more of a robocaller thing that they've been doing for a while where you pick up the call and it will say hello and then you'll say hello and it's waiting for your response before it keeps going with its fake message. And that way it knows that there's a live person and to keep calling. That's the one that really bugs me. Mm, yes, yes. Uh, there's one I forgot. There was a there was a robocall where it asks a question, mm-hmm. and you and if you answer yes, what you're actually doing is recording your yes to like some charge along those lines. So I I never I never respond to questions verbally. Yes, I will do. I'll make a noise. Hmm. Or you know what? <laughs> or something along those lines because right. because it's it's a robot. It's not a person mm-hmm. who's asking the question right. in the first place. So it doesn't know what to say. So there's a great website called darkpatterns.org, O-R-G, that gives you lots of information. will give you examples. And some of the examples are great. There's one that's like a trick. It's called trick questions. And if you've ever been on a form on a website where there's checkboxes and you check, like, uh, I do not send me a check here. To, don't send me any of your email. And then the second one is uh, check here to receive emails from our third-party friends who would like to spam you. And it's like they switch direction in those. The first one is don't send me email. The second one is do send me email. Mm-hmm. And you're you're just clicking through and you're checking all the boxes because that's, oh, that's a don't send me email. That one must be don't send me email. We, It's like an arms race. We've got to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be careful in all these situations that we don't end up getting you know, things we don't want to happen. We have to read carefully and look carefully at least. And and this is not, I, I, this, I, I want to, I want to be clear to everybody. This is not limited to nefarious or any kind of uh, websites right. that you don't want. So I, I had an experience with humble bundle uh, last year where I, you know, they, they had a bundle that I really wanted. Uh, it was video games and it was part of it was you automatically got signed up for the monthly uh, bundle. So you mm-hmm. got the bundle for that month. Right. Well, the way that it's scheduled to take uh, to take that rollover account, so you're automatically signed up, but you have to give your credit card information to um, to enter that, because of course that's how they're going to do it. Um, so you go and you you pay to 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 get your bundle, and then it signs you up for the monthly thing, and they have your credit card on file, and you're agreeing to be part of the monthly bundle. Well. You get to download the the month's uh, games after the charge for the next month comes through. So really, what you're signing up for is not the free month, but like that next month, mm, right? And so if you're not really careful about when you go and do that, then you're going to get charged for that next month mm-hmm. worth of a uh, bundle, and then you're you're stuck for a month, which is. You know, it's that classic age old uh, Disney uh, subscription to the, the movies where they would send you movies and then they would just keep sending you movies. And you're like, I don't want any more movies, but they're right. going to keep coming and keep charging for them. Or I'm old enough for the uh, what was it? The uh, the music club where you get eight cassettes for a penny mm-hmm. then you have to buy, you know, you, you agree to buy so many more cassettes over the next three years. And oh, by the way, we will we will unless you send back the form saying you don't want this, we'll send you this cassette next month. It's like, oh, if I forgot to send it now, I'm getting now I have to pay for this. And right. it, yeah, it, it that's a kind of dark pattern. Mm-hmm. It's it, it puts the burden on us. You know, classic uh, 
one for this was always GoDaddy, the domain name and uh, website hosting company. Because when you got through their checkout, like, oh, I'm just buying a domain name. And then you get these pages and pages where they're trying to get you to buy all these additional services. And you and you get to the end of the checkout and they've added. Oh, by the way, we've we've helpfully added these three services to your domain name because, of course, you want them. Right. I mean, you can always remove them from the, the shopping cart if you've decided you don't want them. But, hey, we put them in there in case you do. I mean, that's a dark pattern. Now, it's not they're not lying to you. They're 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 not even really tricking you because it's all right there. But it, they're just making it more difficult for you to not get what you don't want. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you're having to take proactive steps to get only what you sought to buy. Right. And that's, I think, the, the, the real crux of it. It's not it's deceptive in a way, but it's not necessarily all the time. I mean, sometimes it is, but no, it's not all the time immoral. It's just yeah. a hassle. They make it really hard, though, with some of them. Um, speaking of the checkboxes, bo- check I ran into this the other day. I was booking a car rental with Avis, and mm-hmm. they have your preferences set so that when you book a car, it will automatically book the insurance for you, which if you have car mm-hmm. insurance, most car insurances will cover your rental anyways, but they gray out that checkbox. So unless you go all the way back out of the rental you're scheduling, go into your settings, and then change it to not automatically add that, you cannot remove the rental insurance. So they wow. make it way oh, harder wow. than it needs to be here. Yeah. That's intense. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Some of the ones that get me are ones where like they they have like the big button that's the the proceed mm-hmm. button, like I agree, and then the the I don't want to do this button is like hide and seek. It's like mm-hmm. where's right. Waldo? Like wh- where have they put that? Is it over here? Is it over there? Is it you know underneath that? I have to look or under the rug. A, it's, yeah, it's a big it's a big colorful image button to accept but then right underneath is this tiny little text right that's that's <laughs> yeah, right. another one where they do um yeah it, it there there are lots of different ways that they're always trying i mean it's it's a doggy dog world that they're in commerce i get that and the, you, you know we need to we need to make our bucks but it's just there's got to be a way to to do this you know to provide services that don't require them to trick the, your your consumers your your you know the people you're selling to your customers into buying your services. And I think that's the that's the real problem that I think we're talking about here. Yeah, some places just providing good service isn't enough, I guess. They got to hound you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, it seems to indicate that if you have to trick your customers into doing business with you, maybe mm-hmm. there's a problem with your business. The, the turn of this, of course, is that a lot of places are justifying this by saying they're making it easier for their users to do what what the natural pattern is or what the, the intended pattern is. And in in, in some cases for subscription services. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have to subscribe. I don't have to go back and confirm my subscription every month for things that I do actually want to be subscribed to. So yeah, it's a toss up. (laughs) A couple I saw while I was preparing for this episode. One is, I think it's Ticketmaster automatically adds a subscription to Rolling Stone magazine to your, Uh, to your ticket purchase and then you have to check a box tick you have to you know tick a box in order to say i don't want it if you do get it if you do purchase the you're purchasing it it's not a they're not giving it to you if you do purchase it by mistake you have to print out and hand write out and fill in and mail a form with a stamp to get a refund on it it's like it's not even a a online thing so that was one and then frontier airlines they 
this is a classic one. It's the bait and switch uh, button where when you're checking in for a flight on their app, there's a button. The next button, you know, for going through the forms, going through the, you know, checking in forms is the lower right button. That's, you know, and it says next, next, next. And you're tapping it, tapping it until you get to the point where they want to upsell you upgrades. Then that button becomes the I want to upgrade button. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And the and then there's a, a you know, the, the shaming button of the I don't the, on the to the left of it that says, I don't want to save money or I don't want a better seat or I don't right. want, you know, stuff like that. So uh, those are two I saw when I was, uh, you know, getting ready for the show just to. And in fact, uh, darkpatterns.com uh, dot org, sorry, has a uh, hall of shame page that uh, <laughs> highlights yes. the latest ones, which is good. So the uh, I mean, this is a. You know, such a, a problem that the Federal Trade Commission is trying to educate people about this mm-hmm. uh, problem. And you sent me a link, Thomas, to a workshop that they're doing, uh, but they're, they're they're regularly getting information out about this. Uh, they had this workshop back in April, but, you know, it, some of the topics they talked about, how dark patterns differ from sales tactics employed by right. brick and mortar stores, how they affect consumer behavior, including potential harms, whether some groups of consumers are unfairly targeted or are especially vulnerable. You know, that's actually a really good point. The mm-hmm. three of us are fairly sophisticated computer users, and even we sometimes have trouble, you know, what exactly is the thing I want to do right here? Mm-hmm. Older folks, people who aren't used to this, you know, the the technology, people who are have cognitive issues, that could I think they're more susceptible and that's a bad thing. So mm-hmm. what do you, what, so what do you think? Is, is this a, we need to regulate it thing. Is this a, we need to educate people thing. We need to shame these companies to stop doing it. What do you think is the, is the the solution or all three? I think it's going to be a combination of all three. I think the biggest issue with regulation is that, like you said, it's a cat and mouse game. Um, no matter what regulation you're going to put in, people are going to find ways around it and find ways to catch up with it. So it's just, it's really, I think needs to be an education thing and also a, you know, vote with your dollar. If a place is going to be terrible and enough people stop buying their services because of their practices, they're going to course correct. We would hope. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's the, it's the, it's the companies that I like that I do business with where I feel like they're doing it because they think it's clever as opposed to deceptive. Those are the ones I really feel like I need to say something to. Like, you know, right. you really shouldn't do this. It's kind of it's kind of sucky for you to do, for you to try to you know be be a hassle when I'm just trying to use your product. You know, like with Cooks Illustrated, I'm subscribed. I'm already a subscriber. You don't need to hassle me to give you money. I've already given you the money. So stop, right. <laughs> you know, trying to trick me into this thing that doesn't do any it doesn't do you any good anymore because I'm already a customer. You, you're not going to get any more money out of me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and that, that sort of thing. There's uh, the FTC is actually taking comments right now. Um, I'll, I'll be sure that we get that link um, for the show notes yeah. too. But um, uh, they are taking comments for anybody that's had experience with dark patterns. Um, they are looking into actually doing something about this. So they're trying to Good. figure out what exactly they can regulate and how they're going to do it. And um, like you said, Dom, I think the the big thing is is that there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of susceptible. Uh, groups that are being adversely targeted and it's uh it's really the companies are banking on people not being able to make these decisions in the midst of trying to do something and so they're they've already got their credit card information in it's kind of staring them in the face and then they're being pressured into doing something else and it's stressful enough just using the technology for some of these groups 
that then on top of that, now having to make a decision that they're not really sure what the decision is, is adding to uh, a lot of problems. And and companies know that companies are, are, are using that to nickel and dime people. And if you think about some of the transactions that these companies go through, even just getting an extra two or three dollars off of all of the transactions that they have come through, that's a big deal that that ends up being a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, yeah. And if they can get even a small like for some of these bigger companies, a small percentage of people that fall for the dark pattern is, you know, adds to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. So um, I think in general, I say get educated. So, if, you know, folks who are, who are listening now, if you, you know, check out darkpatterns.org, look through the types of dark patterns, and th they have a, a list of, a, of a, maybe a dozen different kinds of dark patterns. And you, when you click through, they show examples. And so find out what they are and, and think about it. But also, and when you're using different technologies, and that's because that's what we're talking about is technology here, different technologies, whether it's websites or apps, slow down, think for a second and, you know, and think about what are they trying to get out of me? <laughs> you know, because oh, yeah. your, your safety, your financial safety, your privacy's safety, that's your that's your responsibility and you've got to look out for yourself. And frankly, I'm, I'm trying to teach my kids to look for these things, you know, mm -hmm. the, these sorts of patterns. I often will stop and say, Hey, check this out. Look, what, do you, what, what's wrong with this, you know, or well, what would you do here? And then try to try to teach them about it because I want them to be savvy consumers who don't get suckered in <laughs> at the easiest opportunity. So that would, that's what I would recommend. You got to fall to it once to be able to see it, though. That's that. And that's, yeah. I think, the, the challenging part, right? <laughs> Just fall for the ones that are less costly. That's right. Sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's let's move on. I do want to stop for a second to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including this time Nathan B., Christopher H., Parker, David H., and Mark. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we got some headlines we want to talk about. Our first headline is an interesting one. So Disney, if you think about it, Disney has one of the most valuable libraries of m movies and TV shows out there. I'm not sure anybody has more money, you know, more valuable for their own stuff, you know, Cinderella and Snow White and all that stuff, Mickey Mouse and Star Wars and Marvel and gosh, whatever else they've bought up lately that I don't even remember. Um, so it's in their best interest to keep it all that safe from piracy so they can sell the views from it. That's their that's their stock and trade. That's where they they're, they earn their money. Uh, so that makes sense. So they uh, they have this interesting patent that they're trying to, to uh, get approved or the, an idea that they're trying to get patented, put it that way, which would be to secure their content, their t movies and TV shows, using blockchain uh, as an anti-piracy uh, um, function, an anti-piracy uh, system. Do you get, I kind of read through it. Do you guys understand what it is that they're, trying to do with this with the with the blockchain i wasn't sure whether i was i was clear on exactly how this worked 
I'm 100% on board. I am I want the streamers, I want the all the all the fireworks, every this is fantastic. I have been waiting for this kind of thing forever because here's the thing. And this is it it's, it seems nerve-wracking at first, but when you really sit down and think about what's going on here, this removes the stupidity that DRM causes, right? Yeah. Because if it's a blockchain-based solution, if it's truly a blockchain-based solution, then I can own the movie. And I can also pass the movie to someone else so I can sell the movie and Mm. I can, you know, move the movie along to someone else and I can trade ownership of that movie. So it's not that I'm making a big cop, you know, a copy of the movie and then just passing it to my buddy or whatever. But if this is working with some blockchain system, then I can sell the movie along and not have ownership of it anymore myself, which means that I'm not stuck owning a thing that I want to get rid of or that I want to give to my kids, but I don't, I can't because it's DRM'd to my machine or to whatever specific uh, thing I bought it on. That would be good if they, if, if they, that's if the way it works, <laughs> if that's because yeah. they could build into it, that licenses are non-transferable, I would right. suppose, but yeah. Knowing how movie companies have always handled anything to do with <laughs> copying or transferring files. I'm very, very skeptical that it's going to work the way you're talking about. I would hope it would be, but I, honestly, I lean more in the direction of the way music has gone where either if you're going to buy a song, you're just buying an MP3 and you can copy it as many times as you want, but that's not really going to be a big deal or you're going to pay for subscription services. And I would prefer for companies to focus more on the subscription service rather than trying to figure out weird ways of hampering a digital file, which is inherently infinitely copyable and trying to make it more like a physical item. Like blockchain Mm -hmm. is really interesting, but you get into the things like NFTs, which I just find completely ridiculous. Um, (laughs) And it just seems like, a weird way to hamstring the way digital files work. Yeah. That's one of the, you make a good point. The music industry basically destroyed the whole music piracy, Napster, LimeWire industry by going to subscription and getting rid of what was a fair play and all this other DRM that was on it. And you know, there are, they still are sort of dear. There's still a, a, a fingerprint that gets added to your, files that get downloaded to your phone when you have like Apple Music, but it's not DRM in the the file is still playable anywhere, but they just can always trace it back to you. Um, but they did manage basically destroy the whole music training because it just became easier to have a, a you know, a, a music subscription. Just take my five bucks and I'll have a music subscription. Mm-hmm. That's what most people that's most people. There'll always be somebody who wants to pirate because that's the principle of the matter. Uh, but they're usually f- a few and far between. I like I like your point, Jack, on, on that, 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 you know, it's better to just. Make it easier to pay for what you want, you know, p- p- make it less expensive and easier for me to buy the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about how this is supposed to work. So it. What it does is it ties the way piracy works now, usually with a movie is somebody is 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 a middleman, whether it's at the theater, someone's copying the movie there as it comes in or there's a distribution center or someone, you know, hijacks it as it passes through the Internet or something, something along those lines. There's there's several ways like that. Um, So what this does is it it will essentially mark the file in such a way that it can only be played at its destination at a specific place on a specific perhaps projector or or at least in a specific computer network because that's essentially what the projectors and theaters are now and it 
they can track how many times it's played so that a mm-hmm. theater can't say, oh, we're going to buy, they buy it by the number of times they're going to show it, or they pay for how many times they show it. Oh, we've only showed it 100 times. And Disney can come back and say, uh, yeah, according to our records, you showed it 150. You owe us for another 50 showings, that sort of thing. And this the patent also doesn't limit itself to theaters. It It apparently could also be for, you know, TV, streaming, sort of, you know, on your computer or iPad or that sort of thing. So it's an interesting idea. I, I like the idea that, Thomas, your idea, which is that we should be able to pass ownership of the things we purchased, like my entire iTunes uh, video library, the, all the movies and TV shows I've purchased from Apple over the past 15 years. When I'm gone, that should go to my kids because I've paid for that. Right. But the way it sits now is it doesn't. And that does kind of bother me. I, we, I don't own any of that. You know, I mean, I know I don't own the movie Star Wars. I wish I did. I'd be a George Lucas billionaire. But I own a copy of it on a disc and I can right. sell that disc to somebody. Um, I think I agree. I think we should be able to we should be able to do that somehow. I think this is getting closer to that. This this concept yeah. is kind of moving that direction. And I really hope that they, I hope that they take that next step to say, okay, here, let's, let's do this and figure it out because it's, it's really right. not, we need to get past this uh, intellectual property madhouse where all these companies own everything that you, you use that you, that you consume in a right. way that you, they never release control to their users anymore. I do not like that we've gotten to a world where we only license things and we don't actually mm-hmm. own anything. Mm-hmm. Best thing to do is just store all your movies on a reel-to-reel in a salt mine. There you <laughs> got it forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, uh, to another story, uh, another headline. So uh, that Vizio TV you bought that was really inexpensive, um, there's a reason for it because... <laughs> Vizio is apparently making almost as much money from the data they're harvesting from the people that use their TVs as they are from selling TVs. So Vizio has been around for a while, but they've uh, just recently become a public company, which means their financials have to be publicized. They have to be public. And it turns out that they revealed that their Platform Plus business, which is the part of their company that sells viewer data and advertising space, is is making just as much money nearly as they're the part of the company that actually sells hardware TVs. Um, what that what that basically means is is they're selling ads in their smart TV. So you you know when you use the smart TV part of it, you see you're shown ads. So they're, they're selling ads there, but they're also selling the information about what you're watching on your TV. That mm-hmm. is really kind of scary. And it's why my Samsung TV is not, it's a smart TV, but it is not connected to the Wi-Fi or to the network in any way, mm-hmm. uh, because that data is, is mine and does not belong to Samsung. What do you guys think of this? Would you buy a Vizio TV at this point? I maybe would buy a Vizio TV, but I'd probably go in and try to physically remove the Wi-Fi adapter and also the microphones that they stick in these TVs, because a lot of people don't realize that, but they got microphones in the TV, so they're listening to what you're saying in addition to harvesting all right. your data. Um, right. I mean, I, I guess it's it's a trade-off. You get a cheaper TV than you would if you had to pay for it without the subsidization, but then you kind of have to be okay with 
essentially putting up a giant billboard in your house for ads to run on. And this is a, if, if an ad ever seems too on the nose, wonder why, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's probably <laughs> that you have your information has been sold. <laughs> right. Right. I've been seeing more of this where it's like they don't need to be listening, uh, uh, you know, even though they have microphones. People sometimes think I was talking to my husband about going on vacation to Hawaii and suddenly Facebook was showing me ads for Hawaiian vacations. It's like they weren't they don't Facebook doesn't have to listen to you to know that you're interested. (laughs) They've seen that your phone has been in proximity to so and so and you so and so was looking at Hawaii and you haven't been on vacation you haven't you know left your house in so long and you might be wanting to go on vacation soon and etc cetera, etc cetera. um i speaking of dark patterns i saw someone posting uh in the dark patterns website the a pop up she got from facebook this is not exactly the physio but uh, she got from facebook saying julie are you planning to go on a honeymoon you said something in your post that made us think you might be getting married let friends help out by contributing to your honeymoon fund and then a button for raising money. And I'm thinking there is so much wrong with that whole thing. Hey, <laughs> so you wrote something that made it seem like you might be getting married. Creepy much. And right. then ask your friends to give you money for your honeymoon. What? <laughs> Who does that? Yeah. It's a, it's a new world. It's a brave new world. <laughs> it is a brave new world. So as far as Vizio goes, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm down on. Uh, you know, I will buy a TV from the manufacturers, but there is no way I'm using any of their smart TV functions or anything like that in my. Uh, you know, on my TV, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I do. I do not want to have that uh, information. Uh, I mean, I know. I know. I'm. I leak data all over the place. I have a an echo and I have Facebook and Twitter and I know, but it doesn't mean I have to give it away to everybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. I can stop there, up some of them. Yeah. There are some things you can do. I have, I have, I follow a guy. One of the podcasts that I listen to is about uh, security and he's, he's the kind of guy that he has, he doesn't own any cars in his name. He owns cars under anonymous LLCs. And <laughs> it, like, that, that's how serious this guy is about his privacy. And it's, he, he, he justifiably you know he had, he did have his identity stolen at one point and it ruined his life and so uh, he went yeah. down the, the the complete rabbit hole right um and so like like he's everything's anonymized in fact he made a mistake where he like uh wrote an obituary for one of his uh alt names that he uses oh. and now he's in trouble because like one of the main uh information seekers thinks that he's dead because they've attached his social security number to this other, uh, to this other name. Oh. <laughs> and the other name is now dead <laughs> officially. So, but you know, it's like, it's, you, you can get, you can go crazy trying to, to dock date, you know, to keep your data from yep. going out there, but really just take basic precautions mm-hmm. and stuff like this is one of those areas where this is a good basic precaution to take. All right. I think that, uh, is enough for that. So, uh, <laughs> Guess I'm getting creeped out. So let's move on <laughs> to something fun and talk about our picks of the week. Uh, Jack, why don't you go first? What's your pick this week? So I've talked uh, before on the show about how I've recently got into uh, modding old iPods that I've gotten off of eBay. And one fun mm-hmm. thing to do with them, if you don't want to stick with using the built-in iPod OS, which you really can't do a lot with other than play music or play videos, is install a program called Rockbox, which is an open source 
um, operating system for iPod. They also have it for a bunch of other old MP3 players. Um, but it allows you to customize uh, the look of the player. Um, you can play uh, FLAC files, which you cannot do natively with mm. um, the Apple software. Um, you can also do all sorts of different experimental things like run Doom or uh, Wolfenstein on your iPod, which is a lot of fun. So it's, Everybody wants to run Doom. Tiny screen, oh, yeah. little bitty. Yeah, it's, it's awful. But it's awesome at the same time, and it's just a lot of fun if you if you want to get into modding old technology. Um, you can throw in a one terabyte flash card in your old iPod and play Doom on it. Mm. Yeah, that's nice. awesome, and it's totally free. Um, you know, it's it's a bit more of a technical thing, but if you're into modifying programs or installing Linux things like that, it, it's not too difficult. So yeah, it's at Rockbox.org, and it's a lot of fun. Awesome, that's good. That's good. Thomas, what's your pick? So recently, YouTube music uh, has really upset me because of the ads, because it's, mm-hmm. you know, the same kind of thing where it's like you throw in ads in my face all the time. It tries to trick me into going into their music instead of the music that I have. It's my music. So I have done away with YouTube music. I have been trying to find a replacement. And since I've been getting into Plex and I did actually shell for the lifetime subscription to Plex. So it's like 150 mm-hmm. bucks for lifetime subscription to all your stuff. And you can use the apps on any devices. It's fantastic. Uh, I just found this player that they have this week that's called Plex Amp. Um, and it's it's available for iOS, for Android. It's also got some desktop uh, implementations, even for Linux. It's got a, a an app that you can use on Linux. And it is fantastic. It does mm. all the stuff that you want in organizing your music. Uh, it it attaches you to the Plex music, but that's not the primary uh use for it so you can search for music and it will return all of your music first and then if there's none nothing in your music it will suggest something on there and that you can look for um same for podcasts so this might actually replace all of my audio i might just get all of my podcasts on here too and um and just start listening to every every bit of audio i have uh from this device if you are a subscriber you can download the media to your uh device and use it and so you can, you know, if you're if you're offline or or away from your server, uh, you can still use the media, and you can also listen to audiobooks. So it's not just mm. limited to music; it's whatever audio you have on your Plex server. So just to be clear, you can so you can cut bring your own music and other audio to it by having it running on a Plex server, whether on your your computer or on a network attached storage. Right. But they also have a music service as well. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does the music service cost extra? Um, uh, I would guess, right? I, I'm guessing so. I haven't used it, so I just okay. ignore it. And, and actually, having ignored it, I when I go to search for stuff, it doesn't return anything for me except for my music, which is really nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. I mean, the uh, the Plex software is just so great. I have Plex running on my on my uh, Synology, and yeah, it, I I do it mo- mainly for I've ripped a bunch of old movies, and I've got you know some. TV shows that I've got on there and, and they even have um, movies and other content, not like the greatest movies, but they have some stuff on there that you can watch for free uh, through them as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, Yeah. And there is a, there is an audio, there is a music section of it. There's a TV and uh, you know, a movie section. And then there's like news and other things like that in the Plex player. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't heard of Plex Amp, so you could get this on your phone and it replaces yes. the music app on your phone. That's and it's fantastic. Cool. It feels like any of the really high quality music apps. Um, I I have 
I just downloaded it the other day and I have fallen in love with it completely. <laughs> awesome. Really cool. All right. So my pick this week is another one of those little apps that I've been going through on my computer. And this one I've had for a long time. It's called HyperDoc. And it does something you know, pretty simple, which is, you know, the Mac has the dock, the which is the, the little area where the programs show up when they're running or you can you can put programs there even when they're not running. But one of the things that I've always wanted to, to do, which HyperDoc does, is when I put my mouse over the items on the dock, you know, usually it just says what the name of it is. But what HyperDoc does is it pops up a window, a little shaded window that shows you the windows that are active in that app. So even if they're not on screen, if they're, say, minimized or on another space, you know, another desktop, that sort of thing. And you can click on those windows to go right to them. Um, and then in certain apps like Calendar or Music, that gives you controls where you can, you know, start playing music or pause the music or uh, look at your upcoming events in your calendar. Um, and then you can also close the windows if you want, if the if the uh, the windows are open there. You can click the, usually you hover over it and you get an X and you can cl click the X to shut it without having to open up the window and then shut it, which seems sort of non-intuitive. So it's a nice little thing that it's it's not a huge, big, powerful program with all kinds of utility, but it's a nice little program that lets you do a couple things with it, which I've always liked. And it just makes using the computer just a little bit nicer. And that's one of the things I like about a lot of these little programs that I run on my computer. They make things a little nicer, as long as they don't slow my computer down and bring it to a halt when I'm trying to record a podcast. <laughs> uh, so I will hunt those down and execute them with extreme prejudice. See, here I am. I am here. I am looking at my Linux Mint tray, and I'm going, "Oh yeah, it already does that. Cool." Yeah, I was going to say, I think <laughs> Windows 10 does too. I think that's what it is. It's copying a Windows feature that uh, that was already existing. So we, uh, we well, we are happy as Mac users to copy the good ideas <laughs> from <Right>. other operating <laughs> systems. Mm -hmm. We will hunt them down in an alley and rifle through their pockets. I don't know. I'm being very violent tonight. I think I just need to watch like a, a, a spy movie or something. That must be what it is. It's all these so, dark uh, patterns we're talking about. I know. It's very, oh, it's very dark. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, those are our picks this week. So very good picks. All right. I think that about does it for this time. Let's, uh, you know, if we have any comment from you, if you have any feedback you want to give us on what we've talked about, especially like dark patterns or any of the other things we've talked about, let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology. You got to say the whole word technology. If you do tech, it takes you somewhere else. So sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. And if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, an interesting technology question or issue, we ha we're very happy, as you can tell from the, this show and previous shows, we're very happy to field those and do our best to cover those and, and answer them for you. So please send those in. We'd love to hear from you. Follow the Secrets of Tech in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should hit the bell to get notifications. You can find that at sqpn.com slash YouTube. It'll take you right to our channel. Until next time, Jack Barazzini, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. And Thomas Sanherho, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> thank you as well. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> 
And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. I don't trip over my own name, but apparently uh, some other people do, I know. So thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.